please, Lord, let that be the case, that the lights are still on, but no one is giving out tickets. My daddy may now make an announcement. So you look like you're coming into Chipotle, walking past everyone in line. You are listening to the bitterest pill. To go to the front of the line and be like, where's my food? Where's my food? You are listening to the bitterest pill. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the bitterest pill. It's me, Dan Class. I'm, uh, I'm in my garage under the flight path at Los Angeles International Airport. And former stay-at-home dad, former shut-in, failed, uh, you know, whatever. I don't know. I... My summary, uh, I don't know what my summary is anymore. You know, does that, does that make sense? All I know is that I'm here, I'm recording a podcast. You're listening to it. Thank you for listening to it. I know there's a lot to listen to. The, the fact that you're listening to this is quite astounding to me. Welcome. Right? Each of these recordings, especially now that I took a rather sizable break, and I'm now trying to be back. Each of these recordings is such a leap of faith for me because, you know, because I have no idea what I'm going to talk about. And I, yeah, I mean, I have a list of things that I could talk about. It's in front of me. I make a list of things that I could talk about. And then I do talk about some of those things in, in what order I have no idea. And that's not really the magic of it. That's the terror of it. Right. That I don't really. I think I would be much Better off if I had a bigger plan, but I don't have the ability to make a bigger plan and to stick to that, to execute that plan. I was at a podcasting conference one time, and I was in um, a, a, a session, you know, where someone's teaching people how to do certain things about podcasting, right? And this particular woman was talking about storytelling and podcasting, so I thought I'd better go see this woman's presentation, right? And she was of the mind that you should write out everything and edited it. And then I, maybe she even suggested like reading it out loud a couple times or something. I don't know. But it was this. Basically, my reaction was I would never have put out a single episode if I did that. I wish I could do that. I think I think generally that is the normal, healthy way to do things like this. You know what I mean? Hey, I'm going to produce an hour podcast. What am I going to do? I'm just going to sit down and uh, talk. That's a fool's errand. That's a, that's a psychotic person's thing to do. And yet here I am. So um, how, did, how did you fare in COVID? Because we did lose some people. I'm pretty sure I lost some people to COVID. The, the trick is with COVID. Whenever anyone dies, and I don't mean to get on the death thing already, it's right. Uh, you would think I would wait a couple of episodes before I started talking about people dying. But I'm just listen. What I'm saying is, uh, someone when someone dies, I always read their obituary, and it almost never, when they're about my age, says how or why they died. And I find that very irksome because I want to know. I want to know exactly why they died. Before the age of about 90. If you're 90 and you die, listen, I get it. You died because you're 90. But what if you're only 45, 50, 60, whatever? To me, that's an arranged worse like It needs an explanation. And I know probably a lot of people, when they're writing an obituary, right, they don't want to say, well, you know, hey, listen, it wasn't going well. They decided to check out or they got cancer or they got COVID. And, you know, they, were, they didn't get vaxxed and they died. No one wants to say that, but as someone that is perpetually concerned about his own mortality, that is so right, I am a living existential crisis. Do you hear that sound? Here, I'm gonna, that's the sound of my hourly spam call. Do you get these hourly, hourly spam calls? Apparently, I have uh, been approved for a, for a loan or something on my house. I don't know about you, but I, right, I have been approved for some sort of upgrade loan on my house, some sort of refinance or something. All I know is I get a call telling me all day, every day, that I have been approved for a loan. Anyway, listen, I, I, 
and I'm going to make a will. I've been putting off making a will for about 25 years. I'm, when I make my will, the first thing in there is going to be, I want you, when you write my obituary, to say exactly why I died so people know. And I don't know, maybe it's none of my business why people died. But people died. I just heard of someone else that died that I knew. Someone I knew from junior high. He or she was too young to die, so why did they die? And yes, it is not my business. That's right, except that it's my business because I'm worried I'm going to die. And I want to make sure that if I can avoid dying the, right for the reason the person died, then I would like to do that. I'm just saying. Because listen, I, okay, I got COVID in January of 2021. Now, we were not vaccinated in January of 2021, so I was very convinced that I was going to die. I'm not kidding. I, right, my, my son wasn't feeling well, Hudson, right? Hudson was not feeling well. And we thought we were humoring him, so I took him to someplace to get tested. So we go in, and I'm like, don't, buddy, there's no way you've got COVID. You've been so safe. You always wear a mask. You always do this. You always do that. You've been staying away from basically everybody in the entire world. But listen, if it will make you feel better, absolutely, I will even drive you. I'll drive you to the place, and you'll get a test, and it's not a big deal. And he goes in there, and he tests. We wait around. He gets the results, and he's positive. And so we go home, and we say to mom and sister, yeah, he's positive. So let's lock him in his bedroom. So we lock Hudson in his bedroom, and the next thing you know, my brain is like, you don't feel good either, buddy. And I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, you don't, you don't feel good either. Actually, you feel like crap. No, I never got tested, but trust me, I had full-blown COVID in January of 2021. So I got in bed and waited to die. I'm not joking. Like, I really had this very distinct, I'm, la I'm only laughing because it's not funny, even tiny, tiny bits. I, but I had the feeling like, well, I, you know, this is how I'm going out. It had to come eventually. Uh, here, here we go. And I felt terrible. I felt terrible. I don't even remember how, like, what terribleness I felt other than I just remember rocking back and forth a lot in bed. But I don't like I, I think I had yeah, I had a super high fever and aches and aches and aches like flu, flu, super flu type of aches. I don't remember if I was coughing or not. I was just in hell. Brain hell, body hell, everything hell. And I don't what what did that last? Like four days or so, five days? Of getting meals, right? Your wife is like shoving meals down the hallway with a pair of tongs. And then she runs away. Then you open the door, you get them, you close it right for a week, for 10 days or whatever it was. Yeah, five days, five days of feeling like hell. And then on the fifth or sixth day, I was like, boing, I guess that's over. I guess my COVID is over, but I'm stuck in this room for another five days. <laughs> this is effing great. But trust me, I was so relieved to not uh, be dead that I tried to just make the best of it, right? You, you just, you're sitting in your room. And for those of you, who, if there's anyone, I can't imagine there's anyone listening to this right now that has not been vaccinated at least once. But let's compare and contrast just for a moment. So I got COVID in 21, January 21. Not having been vaccinated, pretty sure I, I thought, I, right, I was convinced I was going to die because people were dying, but also because I felt like I was going to die, like for f f several days, right? Several days of feeling like, holy crap, I'm going to die. And then fast forward to March, I think it was about March 22, this, this past March, I think it was March, I don't know. But anyway, I got COVID again. And it was perfectly timed because I actually wanted to go do something social. I wanted to go to a podcasting convention, the podcast movement. A couple of friends were being inducted into the Podcast Hall of Fame. 
Another friend was inducting someone into the podcast. I, like, I was going to go. I was actually going to leave my house and do something social. And then I got effing COVID. But this was after having been vaccinated once or maybe twice. And the worst it ever got was I thought I had a head cold. I wouldn't have been tested if my friend from work hadn't called me and said, yeah, I just tested positive and I sit right next to you. So you better go get tested. Because I had the sniffles. That was it. The extent of my COVID-19 in March of 2022 was sniffles. No body aches, no fever, no coughing, no shaking, no nothing, no nothing. Sniffles. And meanwhile, you know, I was Facebook texting with someone around that same time-ish who was someone I know from high school but I think is much more conservative than I and maybe drinks the, right, the, the red Kool-Aid and not the blue Kool-Aid, if you know what I mean, who mysteriously died at my age. Again, I think in the obituary, it should say what it was. I think it was COVID. Now, somehow, mysteriously, so Hudson and I, have each had COVID twice. The girls have had COVID zero times. And when, when H and I had COVID the second time, I mean, did we even stay away from Melissa? I don't even remember, but she still has never had it. Tulu has never had it. I think some people are immune. Some people are not immune like yours truly, but some people like, I don't know what is happening. And as far as masks go, where I am now, so basically we, we went for my whole life never wearing masks. Only people from China wore masks. And then COVID came and then we all started wearing masks, right? And we wore masks and wore masks and then something changed. I don't know what it was. I guess enough people got vaccinated or whatever. Now I carry a mask in my pocket in case it becomes socially desirable to wear a mask. And I don't know if it's just you get over it or it's I've had it twice and it's not going to, right? Or I'm not as worried about other people. It's horrible to admit, but I just carry one now in my pocket in case I look like an idiot not wearing a mask. And I'll wear a mask. Like if I go to the pharmacy, see, I figure if I go to the pharmacy, I'm going to be face-to-face with a pharmacist. They probably are face-to-face with sick people all day long. The last thing they need is me breathing on them. And vice versa. So I always wear a mask to the pharmacy. That is true. To the pharmacy. And that might be it. But otherwise, it's just in my pocket. I'm not sure what good that's doing. But it makes me feel better. Now, the pharmacy that I go to is in Target. And you know that I I do have a soft spot for Target. Which is... Probably why I go to the CVS now in Target. This is not a plug. The Target, though, I don't know if this happened since we last spoke, is here in Westchester. We have a local, super close by Target. It took over where there used to be an Office Depot. Is that what it was? Office Depot? Yeah. And you may be saying to yourself, wait a minute, Office Depot, that's not big enough to be a target. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, exactly where I'm going with this. Yes, it's too small to be a target. You should not have a small target. Targets are supposed to be big. Targets are supposed to have two entrances. They're supposed to have those big red balls out in front so nobody crashes their car into the store. You're supposed to be able to go in there and know your way around, but this is a miniature target, and it irks the crap out of me. Now, does it have everything? In a way, yeah. In a way, it does. In a way, it, it, it does have everything, but in a way, it can't possibly have everything. Like, it doesn't have bicycles. Now, I don't want to go to Target and buy a bicycle, but there's no bicycles at Target. 
It's a little tiny target in our neighborhood. You know what it does have? It has a step and repeat. You know what that is? A step and repeat. Is that what it's called? Where, like, if you if you watch Entertainment Tonight and you see celebrities on a red carpet, okay, behind them is a bunch of banners with logos in the name of the event or whatever on it. And they cop, you know, they, there are many, many versions of the logos in the name or whatever. So no matter where they're standing, even if they're blocking the logo and the name or whatever, there's still more of them in, in view of the camera. And that's called a step and repeat. We have a step and repeat at the Target in case you're so thrilled that you're visiting Target Store 14795 in Westchester, California. It even says Westchester Target on it. I swear. I should have. I was going to take a picture of it. But you know what? There was a homeless lady outside and she was looking at me. And I didn't want to be like, no, I cannot give you money. But I can totally take a selfie outside of the right target at the step and repeat. I get very hung up about social things like that. Like, I want to explain. Like, I'll, I'll explain. I have to be very careful how I explain this because I don't want this to sound wrong. I do not um, want to. I do not patronize. The black Chipotle in my neighborhood. And I'll tell you why. So in my neighborhood, and I think it's literally in quote unquote Westchester, there's a Chipotle. And it's a predominantly black, African American. What am I allowed to say black? I forget. How does that go? Okay. African American, whatever do you, under, do you understand my my point is that I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to say, I'm trying to say, not say, hi, how are you? Okay, there's a Chipotle in my neighborhood where the majority of the customers are uh, of African descent. Are you with me so far? Okay. Now, the reason I don't want to go there is very simple. It's, it's white guilt. because So what happened is during COVID, what you would do is, or at least what I would do, is I would order my Chipotle on an app. And I would say, hey, Chipotle, I want to pick up my, my order at 7.05 p.m. And then I would go to the Chipotle at 7.05, and, and all the orders would be on this uh, shelf. There's a big shelf thing, like an Ikea shelf unit. And you go over there and you look for Dan K and you grab your bag and you go, right? Okay. So I was doing that in the one that's further from my house. It's in El Segundo because I didn't realize there was a Chipotle closer to my house. I had always passed the other one in, right, because it's between our house and where my daughter used to go dance. So I knew about that Chipotle. I did not know about the other Chipotle. So when I found out about the other Chipotle, I started ordering that Chipotle. See where I'm going? Okay. But what happens is, and I used to never think about it at the very, very racially heterogeneous Chipotle in El Segundo, where there's a very, very varied mix of patrons. When I go into the predominantly black Chipotle, there's a bunch of people standing in line, and I don't want to be the white a-hole that just walks up to the thing, takes a bag, and walks out. That just seems weird to me. Even though I have paid for the order, it's not like I haven't paid. And it's not like I'm not following some Chipotle-created protocol. I just don't want to walk past Three families, a couple of couples, a dude, a woman, whatever, whatever, and just grab my white guy's Chipotle and walk out of there. Now, what is that? Is that is that what is that racism? Is that white guilt? What is going on that I can't just order and walk in and be like, hey, suckers, you should have known about the app. It 
it's neuroticism is really what it is. It's, it's just solely neuroticism. And I know that. And I'm not sure what to do about it because I don't want to be like, I'm going to fight my neuroticism by going, by going up to the special person counter. Because that's the thing, too, is that this other Chipotle, the one closer to my house, they don't use the big. That's really the problem. Here's the crux of the problem. I didn't even realize. So the crux of the problem is when you go into the other Chipotle, the one near my house, they don't use the Ikea rack with all the shelves on it, you have to go and talk to a woman who's basically at the front of the line. So you look like you're coming into Chipotle, walking past everyone in line to go to the front of the line and be like, where's my food? And I can't go in there like, hey, I ordered my food on the app and I'm here at 7.05 and I just can't... So I I drive I drive further. Is that wrong? Yeah, it's probably it's probably wrong. I feel so bad. I don't know what to do. I just don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to be that guy. I think I lost my mind a little bit during COVID. And since we're really still in COVID, I think it's still gone. Don't don't get me wrong. Did you go through that period? I, I assume we all did where you thought it was going to be about two, three weeks. Right? You bought a couple of puzzles. You put them on the dining room table. You did a couple. You figured by the time we're done with these puzzles, we'll be back to work. And two things that I fixated on, and I don't know why, was card magic. And a song called Lighthouse Spaceship. Now, I've always liked magic. When I was a kid, I was really into it. But not enough not enough to learn magic tricks. Just enough to be like, oh, magic tricks are cool. <laughs> I don't want to have to study magic or practice sleight of hand or anything like that. Somebody gave me a trick deck where if you did it this way, then all the cards were different. If you did it that way, all the cards were the same. You know what I'm talking about? Like it's a slightly strangely shaped deck. And so you could easily, yeah, do this one trick with it, basically. Well, next thing you know, we're all home for COVID, and I'm still working. I was doing an old, uh, like, my former job that I did. But I kept watching YouTube videos about, I I learned the uh, Cardini shuffle and the Houdini color change and the -the over-the-top pass and the round the bend and the this and the that and how to force a card and how to not force a card, how to strip the deck, how how to do a false shovel, how to do a false cut, how to make it look like a riffle, but it's really not a riffle. Do you know what I'm even talking about? I was watching a a lot of like Penn and Teller and Sankey Magic. It It was just weird. And everyone would be either in bed or whatever, and I would just sit in the living room with my cards in my lap like I was eight years old trying to learn how to do a a reverse pass or something. I don't even remember what it's called. It's ridiculous because I, I refuse to try to do a magic trick. Like, I'm not that guy. I can't. I can't. Well... They go hand in hand, right? I, I physically, I just don't have the skill or the dexterity or whatever to do a magic trick. But also, I can't bring myself emotionally to do a magic trick. I can't say to someone, hey, you want to see a magic trick? And then do a magic trick. Even if I can do a magic trick, it's very hard for me and I don't know why. Now, this coming from a guy that sits alone in a dark room talking by himself into a microphone, I don't know how shocking this should be. But yeah, a lot of card magic and a lot of, I think the song was called Lighthouse Spaceship. Have you ever heard the song Lighthouse? I mean, it doesn't even really matter. The The actual song, the details of the song, it's about a spaceship that that is a lighthouse. I mean, that's as complicated as it gets. You know, it's kind of slightly psychedelic, slightly pop rockish. I don't know. It's former members of Jellyfish. You ever heard of that band Jellyfish? So it's former members of Jellyfish. The name, oh, Licorice Quartet. That's it. 
And the joke is they're not a quartet. It's a trio. But it's Lighthouse Spaceship. I listened to Lighthouse Spaceship I don't, 18 times a day. Every time I would go, take the dog out to, to, to go for a pee break, I would listen to Lighthouse Spaceship. Every time I would take out the garbage, I would listen to Lighthouse Spaceship. Every time I was feeling a little blue, doing some laundry, whatever, Lighthouse Spaceship. I think Lighthouse Spaceship saved my life. It either saved my life or it did drive me crazy. Did you, did you have a Lighthouse Spaceship? Like, what was your Lighthouse Spaceship? Mine was Lighthouse Spaceship. And I think, and tell me if you noticed this, in early mask days, and, and last time I said I wasn't going to talk much about COVID, but you know, listen, I told about a raccoon and here we are. This is where we are. But in the early days of wearing masks, did you notice that at the grocery store, all the ladies were kind of up in their eye makeup game? Was that a thing that happened or was I just focusing more on, on eyes? I think everybody there for a while, it, it, like the, the leggings came back out and the eye makeup game was elevated because that's all you could see. Was right leggings and and eyes, and now a couple of years later, I I recently went to the pizza place that we've been going to all through COVID, and was very shocked to find out that the guy that I've been dealing with for two years has a goatee. I had no idea. I had no idea. I had been making these huge assumptions about the way people's faces work under their mask. I would never have guessed that this guy had a a, a goatee. But I think what I do is I assume that under anyone's mask that I don't know, they have this almost comic book face, like a perfect, just like a perfect Jack Kirby, Stan Lee nose and a mouth with a little under, you know, the little lip thing under there. They're all clean shaven and very handsome or, or pretty or whatever. You be, make these huge assumptions about what people make under their ma- or look like under their masks, and then they take the mask off, and you're like, "Well, that, you're wrong. I'm sorry. That is not your face. Your face. That is not your. I don't know whose face that is. I don't know how you got it on there, but that's not your face. Your face looks totally different from that. I'm sorry, but it does. And I made the mistake." When I don't even know when this was, but it, right around the time. So I told you last time that I have a job. I have a normal job, a normal corporate job where I wear slacks and shoes, black, uh, shine, you know, uh, leather shoes. And I made the mistake around the time that I started doing this job of shaving, essentially shaving my head. So I don't shave my face. So I have a beard mustache combo thing, right? Normal thing. And then I have glasses on, as you know. And then between the glasses, or I should say under the glasses, where the arm comes down, it goes behind your ear. That's my secret transition to baldness. As you go up, you go from chin, beard, 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 mustache, and then you got where the sideburns would be, and then you've got the glasses, and then under there is the transition to just skin, flesh, baldness of flesh. And you would think, because I think I was thinking this, you know, Dan, that will be so easy to maintain. You're going to be totally bald. Just go for it, shave, cut your hair down to the quick, to the skin, scrape it all off, do whatever you got to do, man. But that, that is so easy to control, be so easy to maintain. And I got to tell you something, I spend every Saturday dinking around with my hair. You don't get your hair, like if you have hair, you do not get your hair cut every Saturday. And you sure don't do it yourself. You probably like once a month, two months, or I have no, I don't even remember what the non-follically challenged, how often you get your hair cut. But every Saturday I'm in the bathroom and it takes, it's a multi-step process because I have to make the hair shorter, short as I can. And then I have this other ridiculous thing that I rub on my head 
that, that takes it down further to, to my skin. Okay. One of those things, I got the cheap Chinese knockoff of one of those things that, well, I don't know, maybe you don't see the ads. I'm a bald guy, so I see ads for things that you use to shave your head. The algorithm knows. So I tr- have to trim my beard. And that's another thing. It's like, oh, having a beard must be so, like, so much better than shaving. No, shaving takes two seconds. A beard is a pain in the ass. And shaving your head is a pain in the rear end, man, because you have to, I, like, I take it down all the way. I have trimmers with no guard. And I go over my whole head, and that feels great. And then I go over it with this bald guy thing. I don't even know what it's called, but it looks like a Norelco thing. You know, the old Norelco shavers that you used to see ads for at Christmas time. It's kind of like that, but it's the things are circular and you rub it on your head. And it smells like my flesh rotting. Because to get the hair down to right the length that you want, which is no length, you press it against your flesh. It cuts off pieces of flesh and the flesh gets stuck in there and it stinks. I'm sorry, it does. But I can't look, right? No one wants to look like a balding, bald guy, like a guy. You don't want to see the horseshoe, right? That's the worst. So I'm, I'm in this level of denial. Where I'm like, well, if on Saturday I cut my hair as short as possible, then I'm, I'm a guy that shaves his head. I'm not a bald guy. A bald guy has a ring, right? You know, the, the bald part makes a ring on your head. But the problem with my plan is Saturday, Sunday, Monday, by about Tuesday, there's definitely a ring shadow. Wednesday, by Thursday or Friday, I am totally ringed out, man. I, I am, I mean, you cannot hide the fact that you're a bald guy. I, I can't rub that thing on my head every day, I don't think. I mean, theoretically, I could, but I don't, I don't remember to. Or I don't have the time. And you people that have had normal jobs your whole life where you like get up in the morning and you have some coffee and then you take a shower and you get dressed, you go to work and then you work and then you drive home and you're home from work and you make dinner and you've done that for years. I don't know how you've done it. I don't know. And I'm not saying I mind my job. It's there's something about getting up every day and going to the same place every day that I thought I would like and I don't. But the part that really is killing me is... The drive home into the sun every day. No, not this time of year, but during the daylight savings time of the year, into the sun every day. By the time I get home, I am ex- I am basically I basically am staving off sleep halfway home, trying not to crash. I come home, I make it into the house, and all my brain wants to do is literally just slam itself shut. Now, I think part of the problem is, so I, uh, 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 so I have ADHD. You know that, right? We've, we've, we've beat around that bush enough. Maybe I've talked about it. I have no idea. I, I am very much of the mind privately that we should all talk about mental health. And in theory, I always think that's great. But in practice, hey, listen, these podcasts are open to the public. I have a normal job. I have in-laws. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, there are certain things that I'm like, even for me, as open as I try to convince you that I am, I don't like talking about it. But the truth is, I have ADHD. And the truth is, the only way I can function at my job is to take medication. And this medication is a stimulant. And the stimulant, not to get too into it, For ADHD people, the stimulant helps you focus. It helps you uh, not have quite so many uh, tracks running in your brain so you can kind of control what you're doing and focusing on. And it's changed my life. And the the medication that I'm on right now, and it doesn't really matter which one it is because they're all stimulants, I'm pretty sure, you know, it only lasts for so many hours. And mine runs out around the time I leave work. And so by the time I get home, right, I'm depleted of my much-needed medication. 
So I'm exhausted and I can't focus. And Melissa is trying to catch me up on the day's events and I don't really want to hear it because my brain is shutting off and it's getting me into a lot of trouble. Because when you come home, your spouse wants to tell you what's been going on and you should hear what's been going on because you should know what's going on uh, because you're in a family, in a marriage. And I don't want to know what's going on because my brain is not working right now, man. So I need, and I've tried, I need some kind of medication or meditation or some sort of mantra or something that can keep me awake when I first get home from work so I can get the daily, uh, you know, whatever, the minutes of the day and, and, and live a life. So really right now, I, when I get home, I got nothing. That's why I don't, that's why I don't record these shows on the weekdays. I have to record it on Saturday or Sunday because otherwise I got nothing. And it's kind of bumming me out, man. It's sad because I don't live my life at all after work. I watch TV in a stupor with my family and I pass out. But I'm working on it. I'm working on it. And I, and I, I apologize for not talking more openly about that kind of thing because I feel obligated to because I feel like I am the kind of person that would or should but I just can't get into it because I I think because of the stigma and I think because I'm a scaredy cat and that's really embarrassing but yeah I have ADHD I deal with depression all the time all the time. Like, you want to know why I haven't been recording for three years? Pretty much put those two things together. ADHD and depression. And you've got no podcast for three years. That's the truth. The truth is, I forget that I have a podcast. And then when I think about having a podcast, I feel like I'm like too, uh, to, to record the podcasts. I had to drag my ass in here today to, to kind of leap of faith like, well, you know what? You'll find the energy if you start recording. The reason that I started doing these podcasts again was for my own mental health as an experiment to see if returning to the podcast would make me feel better. And uh, so far, so good. But that, that's part of the truth of it. Part of the truth, and, 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 and I'm not saying this, this part at all to be boastful. It's, it's something that I just have to keep reminding myself. Some people have said to me, hey, Dan, me listening to your podcast, it makes me feel... Um, you know, less alone, or I don't even know the, the the wording or whatever. But basically, people have people have given me these wonderful insights into what their experience is listening to these stupid recordings, right? But the truth is, I need it way more than you do. Even if it's just to flush all this stuff out of my brain, <laughs> flush all that stuff out of my brain, and and I know I'm horrible at returning emails, but I really need on a very real level to hear from people and for us to acknowledge each other and for us to acknowledge the fact that whatever this weird relationship is between podcast er and podcast e is valuable for everyone concerned Because it's easy to, um, I've always been very good at devaluing the podcast, which is why I've never promoted it really very much at all. And why I'm very, um, I'm very, very, very self-deprecating about it. I don't know, some weird paranoia about part of me wants people to listen to it and part of me doesn't want people to listen to it. You know, like, like when I was, so when I was interviewing for my current job and I'm trying to get a job, right? Okay. And I'm trying to get a job as a content creator for the, you know, making content, quote unquote, whatever that means for the internet, for this company. And one of the people interviewing me says, oh, and I, I see on your resume or somehow it came up that I have been in podcasting. 
And I said, yes, I've been in podcasting for X number of years, and I produced a bunch of podcasts for this company or that company or whatever, or a lot of PR-related stuff. And blah, blah, blah. And he says, oh, do you have a podcast? And I say, oh, yeah. And he goes, well, what's it called? And I'm like, oh, no. I don't want you listening to my podcast because I want this job. I don't want you. I don't need you to be about to hire me and then hear that I'm squirting rabid raccoons and chasing them up a tree with a two by four. I don't need you to know that. I need you to think that I'm the normal person I'm trying desperately to portray in this interview with the handshaking and the smiling and the Leather shoot, right? That's that's what I'm trying. I don't need you to I don't need you thinking that Dan the podcast guy is the same guy that's gonna come in here to do the work. That's a different guy. That the guy that does the work is a much more sane person who lets out a lot of his whatever it is in a podcast. So please, Lord, don't listen. And I literally said to the, to the guy, oh, God, please don't listen. <laughs> it's, it's just, it, uh, uh, and I don't even remember what I said, but it was, uh, I, I hope it worked because he never said, oh, I listen to your podcast. No, I don't want, I don't want, and this, and this, I don't know what this is a sign of. I'll have to discuss this in therapy. We, um, I don't like the idea of people I know outside of podcasting listening to the podcast. Does that make sense? Like, I'm thrilled that you listen to the podcast, but I don't want my next door neighbor listening to the podcast or like the mom of the student that my child is friends with or whatever when they're young or something like that. You know what I mean? Like that, I don't, that seems like an invasion of my privacy. (laughs) Like you listening to it, that's different because you know me through the podcast. You don't know me in quote unquote real life. In real life, I don't I don't want you listening because I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to get into it. I don't you know give me that look. I don't want you to tell me what you think. I don't want I don't want to hear it. I remember somebody listening to it one time ago. Wow, you know you pause a lot, a lot of a lot of pauses. Yeah, that's yeah, that's how I do it. With a lot of pauses. Yeah, that's my, that's part of how I talk. Did you not notice that's how I talk? With pausing. Completely different topic. I'm starting to think that shaving cream is a, a scam. Because I don't know what started it, but I've started shaving my face and my neck with a dry razor. And no shaving cream, no water. Literally just dry two or three blade razor on my face and on my neck. And you know what? I haven't died yet. I haven't cut myself. I'm not bleeding. It didn't, right? It doesn't irritate my skin. I throw a little after you shave uh, lotion stuff on there and I'm good to go. Now, the hairs go all over the place. So maybe that maybe that is the purpose of shaving cream i always thought the purpose of it was to lubricate your skin or whatever that horse crap is that they say in the advertisements the truth is i think shaving cream is to manage the hairs that you cut off your face and to keep them in a bundle so they can go down the sink instead of spraying everywhere in the bathroom but i gotta tell you something if you remove from the process lathering up your face and then rinsing all that stuff off when you're done, because there's always a bunch on your face when you're done, right? You save a lot of time. Now, I'm not suggesting you try it, but I'm saying if you did try it, it you might not think it was horrible. And this is the part of any podcast that I do where I really wish I had one big story to leave you with, and I really don't. You know what I mean? Like, wouldn't it be great if I had one big story? Well, I'll tell you this story. So I'm trying to think of the order exactly of operations. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, so I'm driving home one night, one Friday night. And like I say, I am always super tired at night when I'm driving home. 
and it was a fr- it was a Friday night, and I was very low on gasoline, and my wife gets very upset if the car gets too low on gasoline because what if she needs it and there's not enough gasoline? And now for her, enough gasoline is a half. There has to be half a tank. And we even have one of those cars, both of our cars. They have the thing on there that says, you know, you've got enough gas to drive like 500 miles. But it doesn't matter if the needle, so to speak, is below half, no matter how many miles that says. It could say like 200 or whatever it is. That's not enough gasoline. So I decide instead of getting into a discussion about it on Saturday, I'm going to get gas on Friday. But there was a lot of traffic on Friday, and I was getting a little PO'd. So I drive. I want to go to Costco for gas because I don't know about where you live. Gas here is nuts. It's not quite $6, but it's essentially $6 a gallon. So if I go to Costco, I at least feel like I'm getting the cheapest $6 gas I can get, even though it's really only a couple cents cheaper than the cheap gas near my house. So I pull off the freeway. How does this go? So, yeah, I I get to the street, the off-ramp. I go down the off-ramp and I take a left. And then there's an intersection right where you turn to go into the area of shopping where there is a Costco. Okay, and because it's Friday... And because I've been in the car for too long, and because I want to just get it done, I'm getting impatient. And I am at the intersection, and I get it in my head somehow. I am, this is my light. This light, this cycle of red, yellow, green, green, yellow, red, whatever it is, this is the one, this is the one where I'm going. No matter how slow everyone else is ahead of me, or no matter what, I'm doing this because everyone was acting like we had all the time in the world. So I think what happened was, and this is milliseconds, right? There's two turn lanes. There's the right turning lane and the left turning lane. And I feel like the right turning lane is going too GD slow. Those people are not committed to getting through this light. But the people in the left lane seem a little more committed. So I leave the right lane. I go into the left lane and I through the intersection. And as I'm going through the intersection, it's like paparazzi. There's flash bulbs going off everywhere. And flash bulbs, that's old people speak for flashing light that happens on your phone when you're taking a picture in the dark. So I'm pretty sure at this point, I have gotten a ticket. I've gotten a camera ticket. I didn't think those things even existed anymore. I thought I read something somewhere where they were outlawed, or not outlawed, but you know what I mean? Like in L.A. County, which is where I was, which is where I live, they were no longer doing camera tickets. But I clearly just got zapped by four lights. So I'm in a bad mood and I go get my gas and I'm in a bad mood and I don't really feel like telling Melissa because I feel like, okay, there's a chance that I'm right and that they don't do those tickets anymore. But maybe just to annoy people, they leave the light system on so it flashes at you if you go through a red light, please, please, Lord, please, Lord, let that be the case that the lights are still on, but no one is giving out tickets. And that night I even got into trouble with Melissa because and it's my own fault. So she does not want to go to our usual pizza place anymore. The pizza place where the guy, it turns out, has a goatee. She doesn't want to go there anymore. She's done with their pizza. And so that Friday, the same Friday night, she says to me, and I'm in the kitchen. She's in the living room. And I'm trying to get myself a snack. And she's talking because she's not exhausted. She's talkative. She's talkative and I'm exhausted. So I haven't even had a snack or had a chance to sit down. I've barely been home. And she says something about, hey, maybe we could try Firestone oven pizza or whatever it is in Culver City. Now, Firestone wood brick 
whatever it is, pizza in Culver City. I don't know where this place is. I don't know what the hell she's talking about. I've never heard of it. All I know is that she said Culver City, which means I am going to have to drive further north than we already live to Culver City, probably into the thick of Culver City where all the restaurants are, and pick up some pizza from a place that I've never been to. And I make the mistake of saying out loud, ah, Jesus Christ. To say that that started a barrage, a litany of litany of arguing and discussion of my attitude and how I can be kind of an a-hole and how all I had to do is say I didn't feel like it, right? Because I am not in a position to let my real emotions show. I am in a position... And I don't know if it's just the dynamic of our relationship, if it's the dynamic of all relationships where one of the people, they're allowed to show their emotions and the other one really can't because it's too much. So I make the mistake of saying, ah, Jesus Christ, because I don't want to, I don't want to get back in the car. And I sure don't want to get back in the car and drive to a new place in Culver City, which is further than the old place. And it's in a busier part of town than the old place. I don't want to do it. And I said, Jesus Christ. And she got so mad. And looking back, I think the reason I said it was Jesus, you know, I don't want to get back in the car. I just got a ticket. I'm pretty sure, but I hope not. I don't want to get into it. So weeks and weeks go by. And then the thermostat happened. And we discussed that on the last show. I bought a thermostat. I installed it. And then I destroyed it. Okay. So we got it for $45, but in my mind, it was $130 because that's what they really cost. And that's what it would cost to replace it, right? So in my mind, I've destroyed $130 worth of smart thermostat. And so that night, remember I told you, so Melissa came home and I said, yeah, it was, it was working. It should be fine. But I, and then I eventually had to tell her I destroyed it, right? So I'm very focused on figuring out if I can undestroy it somehow. So I'm Googling this and I'm Googling that and I'm researching this and I'm trying to figure out if we can get another rebate on another one. And while I'm doing this and I'm very focused on the fact that I've destroyed the thermostat, Melissa is checking our mail. And Melissa sees that I've received an envelope from the Hawthorne Police Department. And so... I'm like, well, that confirms that. So she says, well, what is this? And I said, yeah, I'm pretty sure I got a ticket. So she opens it up and she says, yeah, you got a ticket. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm still trying to figure out how to undestroy the thermostat. So she says, why did you get a ticket? And I say, because I went through a red light. And she says, well, I know you went through a red light. I can see you went through a red light. There's a picture of you right here and an explanation that says you went through a red light. But how did you, what happened? I went through a red light. I mean, what, I don't know what you want me to say. I know what you want to happen. You want to have an argument about the fact that I got a ticket. But I don't want to have an argument about the fact that I got a ticket because there's nothing I can do about that. I clearly got a ticket. But I'm trying to figure out if I can get another $45 version of $130 thermostat that I just destroyed. But she's got her fangs in the ticket and won't let it go. And as a husband, I'm stupid because I, part of me knows what needs to happen to just kind of get through this, but I don't want to do it because it's not necessary. But what really needs to happen is I need to stop what I'm doing and show some sort of emotional response. Now, maybe I'm a sociopath or something, but see, I had my emotional response to it the Friday that it happened. 
She needs me to be like, yeah, I'm so mad at myself and I'm so sorry and I'm apologizing to you as my wife for some reason because I got a ticket because I guess it's going to cost us money and that means I have to apologize to you. And I'm so angry and so sad and ashamed and I'm having emotions about it. That's what she needs to happen. What's happening is I'm going, babe, I got a ticket. I got a ticket. Well, I, right? I'm trying to figure out this. I got, I went through a red light and that's why I got a ticket. But what she wants to, she wants to hear the podcast. The podcast isn't coming out until today. She wants to hear me go, well, I was in a bad mood and I was kind of in a hurry and I really wanted to get through the intersection. And so I pulled from the right lane to the left lane. And by the time I did that, I was up to speed, but the light turned red and it was too late to stop. And I went through the thing and then all the lights flashed. And I'm so sorry, and I'm such an idiot, and, you know, this is just further confirmation that I am a loser dad, and I'm a loser failure, and I, yes, I screwed up. And there's a very stubborn part of me that thinks, why do I have to fall on my, like, obviously, I feel bad about it. I'm telling you I feel bad about it. Why do I have to? go through this uh, emotional whatever in sync with you. Why do I have to fall on my sword? Obviously, I feel like an idiot. I got a ticket. This is going to cost us a fortune. I know that. Why do I have to stop what I'm doing and say every single word? Is that my failing? Is it my failing that I can't just do that? That I can't just sit there and go, yes, I'm going to say every single word that you require right now. Because you require every word to be said out loud to each other. I was in a hurry, and I went through a red light, and I'm so mad, and I'm so ashamed, and I'm so sorry, and I, uh, 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 and it hasn't happened in 10 years, but that's okay. I still am an idiot, and I get it, and I should never have done it, and I need to say all these. I should know that, but part of me is like, why do you have to say all that? How much of that is a given? Yeah, no kidding. It's going to cost a lot of money. Why do I have to say it? I know. We've been through, right at our age, we've been through this before. When is it my turn to, I don't even know how to put it. Like, when is it my turn to dictate exactly how something like that goes? Because clearly it wasn't my turn that night because my turn would have been, yeah, I got a red light ticket. End of story. Like, yeah, I did. That happened. Yes, it was an accident. It didn't mean to happen, but that's it. I mean, what else needs to be said? And that's something they just never tell you about marriage. Is you have to communicate and you have to do this. You have to compromise. You have to fight constructively. But what they don't ever tell you is one of you needs potentially to say all the words and hear all the words and have everything spelled out in dialogue. And some of us just don't want to talk about it. So that's it for the bitterest pill for this time. And yes, so enough time has gone by since that happened that I have received. I finally, because they don't send it to you right away. I finally did get the letter that says how much the ticket is. And yes, it's only four. Hundred and ninety dollars plus traffic school. Good gravy. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, downloading the show. I can't believe it's been two weeks in a row either. Um, no idea what we'll talk about next time, but uh, certainly check back in. As always, The Bitterest Pill is uh, made possible in large part by the patrons who patronize me on Patreon. I got that cleared up. Somebody emailed me that the page was down or something. I don't know why they parked the page and made me unpark the page on Patreon. That seems weird, but they did. Uh, But it's back. Uh, So yeah, patron listing guy, uh, take it away. The Bitterest Pill is made possible by its generous patrons. Patrons like... 
Alex Mirabelli, Brahm Lasagna, Dan Kaikendo, Dave, Hall of Fame, Jackson, David Chase and Gerard Cortez, Edward Nothnagel, Flores, Harold Goldner, Jay Savastano, Jeff Short, Jim Cariotis, Megan, Mike Scott Hamilton, Peter Chase, Rob, New Ladies Music, Uzen, Sean Othan, Sean Stewart, Tom Carroll, Mr. Disneyland himself, Paul Barry, Dr. Robert Rice, and the moderator. Help Dan keep the show going, become a patron of The Bitterest Pill today. Alright, thanks for downloading. I do appreciate it. Like I said earlier, um... I know that there are plenty of podcasts, especially these days. Holy cow, there are plenty of podcasts you could be listening to. Thank you for giving me an hour. Um, please write me if you dare at uh, pill at danclass.com. You can find me on Instagram. I'm pretty sure I'm on Instagram. I'm findable on Facebook. And we, let's see where this Twitter thing goes, shall we? I barely use Twitter anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Anyway, all right. I will talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you uh, so much. Have a good week. And talk. Okay, just say the words. The Bitterest Pill is produced by Jacket Media, makers of fine podcasts since 2004. Thank you for listening. If you're thinking of starting a podcast of your own, you should host it on Libsyn. Use promo code PILL. I don't remember if there's a discount. <laughs>